Hello and welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off. You know, I just realized I should have put this in the opening and then I wouldn't have had to say it every time. <laughs> yeah, you should just have like a, a clean pre-recorded version of this. Yeah, or just like a specifically bad recorded version. Of yeah, it. maybe this one. Yeah, maybe this one. <laughs> this is the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about movies off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 best horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I am okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. glad that you made it here. You clearly yes. got your invitation. <sighs> I wish they said it that way every time they said the word invitation, <laughs> especially especially with the branding that those guys were doing with that cult. You yeah. seem like you need to have like a more rhythm to say it. It's, it's about going to Mexico and getting the invitation. I, think, I feel like it would be more of a, it's about going to Mexico and getting... The invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of them is, is more uh, welcoming. Yes. And, my, and one of them is a little bit more, you know, exciting. So I guess it yes. depends on the flavor of what your cult is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're doing it in L.A., you want it to be as close to yoga voice as it possibly That's true. Can be. That's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, we are covering <laughs> the invitation. If you hadn't guessed. From 2015. Um. This is number 117 on our list with an 89% Rotten Tomatoes score. Hmm. Amanda, had you seen this before? I had, and I had somehow like forgotten it. Oh, really? Like, I, I don't know. And I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I somehow had wholesale forgotten it. And I think I'd even kind of forgotten that I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down to watch it and was like, oh, yeah, I like this movie. <laughs> well, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, ringing endorsement. Yeah. this I, I don't remember how I came across this. Um, it was definitely like a word of mouth thing. And yeah. th- this is one of those movies that falls in the realm of like a starry eyes for me where mm. I saw somebody else talk about it and said, don't look anything up about it. Just watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had maybe not quite the same experience, but it was definitely like a, I read something about it. Like if you're going to watch one indie horror movie this yeah. year, make sure it's this one. And then I think I just was like home alone one night, like, baking cookies or some bullshit (laughs) and i put it on and like was sort of half watching it, aerating a bottle of wine yes yes (laughs) yeah this in front uh, of my extremely beige living room yes much like starry eyes this was a movie that lived on netflix uh and just kept popping up in my recommendations for like three years yeah uh and then i finally watched it and i did not regret it because i enjoyed it quite a bit spoilers you accepted netflix's invitation i accepted the invitation (laughs) to watch the invitation. <laughs> uh, we're going to get really annoying. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the movie The Invitation. God, this thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. It's kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey, and we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. Bars on the windows and no. Security. Safer. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Well. Jesus. Has it been like this a lot? It's 
so agitated. How has he been handling things? He can be self-destructive. I think he's doing the best he can. Something doesn't feel safe here. We don't see you for two years, and then all of a sudden, we get invited to this lavish dinner. Don't tell me that this is normal. What do you think is happening, Will? This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. All right. The Invitation. Direct, I'm going to do it every time if I can remember to do it. <laughs> you are going to make yourself sick of it. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> Everything I do, that's my end goal. Is I do it till I get, sick, get of sick of it. Uh, directed by Karen Kusama, director of Jennifer's Body. This yes. is actually, uh, this was the n- next movie she did after Jennifer's Body, but there was a seven-year gap in between. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if she was in director's jail because of <laughs> Jennifer's Body, which is... <laughs> Unfortunate and unfair, but boo uh, Hollywood boo. uh, Written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, 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 sure, sure. Starring Logal Martian, local, local Martian Green. (laughs) (laughs) Starring local Martian Green. Local. Starring Logan Marshall Green as not Tom Hardy. He looks exactly like Tom Hardy. Yes. Uh, Michael Hewisman, Tammy Blanchard, Big Mike from Reno Nine One One, and the Zodiac Killer himself. Yes. Amanda, what happens in The Invitation? While attending a dinner party at his former house, a man starts to believe that his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister plans for the guests. Yes. that's yeah? See, that's a really interesting one because yes. Oops. I feel like you could go incredibly bland with the description of this and not yes. be wrong. And you could go more over the top with the description of this and not be wrong. Yeah, I feel like that that summary was actually pretty tonally down the middle. Yeah. Because you definitely could be like, crazy cult couple kills everyone. Oh, <laughs> I was going for another. I know. Yeah, Damn you it. missed it. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone. All the Karen Kusama movies deserve those Gene Shalit things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, that, that's a pretty good one. It's it is tonally it is tonally pretty pretty kills pretty comrades. correct. It was right there. Yeah, it kills comrades. Do you want to do the full thing? <laughs> no, oh, you ruined the mustache it. Mustache on and everything. I know. Um, we were going to do some things you might find, but honestly, it's more accurate to do party fouls because there's party a lot fouls. of party fouls in this movie, such as uh, red red wine that goes right to your head and shuts down your cardiovascular system, <laughs> bringing a new guy quote to the party who creeps everybody out. Yep. Uh, when someone says they want to show everyone a video, I can't. I, I know your husband felt personally attacked when I said that. Yes, but it's it's something everybody has done. I've done it. Yeah. You get to that point where it's like I got to show you this thing on YouTube, and yep. everybody stays, but inside they're going, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've done it. Yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> um, and I didn't write this one down, but I think it applies. Mm. You can you can push back if not. Uh, questionable parenting. 
I I'm gonna push back on that one. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't see it. He should have been there. Shouldn't let that kid have the bat. Oh Clay. He the, he they he the kid saw them in the tub, and that drove him <laughs> to tell the other kid. And then the kid was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And he whacked him in the head with the bat and he killed him. I so, don't think that's what the lock, movie says. Lock your bedroom door, so you don't scar your child for life, which leads to his direct death. Don't let case your, closed. Don't let your kids play baseball. Or that. Baseball's the most dangerous sport. That's true. <laughs> it's not true. No, it's not. No. Um, so yeah, this was Karen Kusama's first movie since Jennifer's Body. Uh, this was largely, I think I think it was completely, uh, there was no studio interference. This was not like a, a major studio movie. Oh, wow. So they basically got free reign to make the movie they wanted to make. Yeah. And uh, I'm very glad that they did. Because yes. this is atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere. Yeah. And I feel like this is the perfect movie for a lot of the stuff you and I have talked about up to this point as mm. far as, you know, uh, exposition and characters and stuff because yeah. you get so much out of so little in this. Definitely. The exposition level is very, very low. And everything about the setup is relatably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing old friends after a long time, and there's, you know, so, when one of them has just come back from some sort of questionable absence. Well, and yeah, when like somebody and the people in the friend group have gotten divorced, right? But right. they're both still in the friend group. Yep. Like, I, I, I wonder if part of why this movie works for us is because we are very much at the age that a lot of these party goers are at where it's like some people in our group of friends are married and have kids some people in our group of friends are just married some people are dating some people are single but like we've all known each other long enough that Mm -hmm. like if somebody moves away and moves to california for a couple years and then they come back it's like you partially want to go back to the old way that things were, but it is different when it's like, oh man, I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah. COVID probably adds to that feeling. Especially if the thing that's stopped you from seeing everybody is, is a traumatic event, like the death of a child or something. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Your child that everybody here clearly knew. And I think they were all there when it happened too. I think at least a bunch of them were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's going to put a damper on things. Just a little. Um, Having being at a party full of old friends, yes, and then uh, someone's friend shows up that nobody knows who's a little bit weird, yeah, and that happens twice in this movie, yeah, there's one who's already there, yes, and then one who shows up, and it is, it's like having been there, it's always awkward. You try not to make it awkward, but it yeah. always ends up being awkward, yeah, of course, even if the person who shows up is like <clears throat> actually not a murderer, mm-hmm. like it's still weird when it's like. Oh, yeah, like we've known each other for so long and now I have to talk to this new person who I don't understand. Like there's a scene in this where um, Will just says to Pruitt, the guy we're talking about, the Zodiac killer. Yes. um, He just says, why are you here? Like he just comes out and says it. Like, I don't understand. Why are you here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I I guess I guess we should say the setup of the invitation is uh, a dinner party of these old friends who have gotten back together after uh, one of them has come back from 
some sort of soul searching journey to Mexico. She, I think she may have ki- tried to kill herself at some point because they have that flashback where she's still yes. in the sink. You know, yeah, we find we find that out a little later. Yeah, like like as the movie kind of gets going. But yeah. clear clearly, there's there's been a there's been a gap in all of their relationship time because yes. of the death of this couple's son. They got divorced. They've moved on to the point where. They're seeing other people. And right, right. So the wife like a, is remarried yes, to yes. somebody she met at this soul-searching grief right. group thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will, our main character, has a lovely girlfriend who doesn't deserve any of this bullshit. You know, it's strange to me. Uh, well, first I was going to say, that's basically it. It's just that's that's the setup. And yeah. the thing that's great about this movie is it that it's so... The setup is so relatable that it's easy to get drawn into it, I think, anyway. Yeah. And the writing is so expertly sparse that they give you just enough exposition to yeah. to put you in the position where you know the relationships and yes. then the performances do the rest and you kind of are allowed to fill those spaces yourself. Yeah, yeah, and draw parallels between relationships you'd had, people you'd kn- you'd known friend groups you've you've been in before in the past like yeah. yeah it it it's interesting because i'm usually the one who's like super on top of all the names of all the characters mm-hmm. and this is a bit of an ensemble cast a lot you of know? people a lot of people a lot of people in this and i did not really pay a ton of attention to the names names don't matter well especially in a movie like this where it, it does this amazing job of like giving each character a, a sort of social position in this friend group that is sure. familiar and uh, like easily understood very quickly by the audience. Yeah. And so because you're already kind of familiar with like the position this person is in socially, you don't really need to remember like, ah, oh, is that guy, is that Tommy or is that Ben? Right. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, okay, that's the guy who's here, even though his wife is at home with the kids and she's mad at him. That's the guy who's here with his boyfriend. Right, like, right. It's much easier to sort of be like, oh, they're the fun party couple, the, the boyfriends. And then this guy is the guy who like became a parent before everybody else and yeah. sort of like has to deal with those that baggage. There's even, they even go so far as to, I, I like this is just a stupid tiny thing, but I, it always amazes me that they did or in this case didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the, I guess it would help to know the names of this section, but um, <laughs> who are you one of one of the try. one of the same sex couple. It's Miguel and Miguel. It's Miguel. Okay. Miguel seems to be a doctor or yeah. works in the med- medical profession. Yeah, doctor, nurse, EMT. They never say it. Nope. Nope, there's no setup. There's nope. no like clunky dialogue line where it's like, oh, busy night in the ER, huh, yeah. Miguel? And he's like, oh, you know. Yeah, all they do is there's a scene where uh, Will, the main guy, mm-hmm. finds a, uh, a bottle of barbiturates wh- yep. or pills that he doesn't yes. know what they are. And he takes one and he shows it to Miguel, yep. who knows what it is. Yep. And it's like, oh, he must have, he's either a drug dealer or he has some sort of... <laughs> he works in pharmaceuticals yeah. or he's a surgeon. And then later on when uh, when things start to, the shit starts to hit the fan, yeah. he's clearly the one with some sort of medical training. Yeah, he so. sort of leaps into action when, when a character gets injured. Yeah, I, man, I, I know that there's another version of this movie where everybody has dialogue where they're like, wow, I haven't seen you since you graduated 
medical from medical school. school. <laughs> What's it like working at the big city hospital, Miguel? Well, yeah. the ER is a tough place, but <laughs> I'm getting really familiar with all the different kinds of pills that they put across my table. Yeah. See, it's interesting, though, because there, there, there's maybe like one moment in this movie that gets close to that, but mm-hmm. it it's played very... It, it's played in a way that makes sense for the for the situation the characters find themselves in. Mm-hmm. It's when the blonde woman Claire uh, is taught. She, they're like sit, her, she and Will are sitting on the stairs, mm-hmm. and she says to Will, "Ask me a question." And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure. Hi, how are you?" And he, she was like, "No, really, ask me a question." And he was like, "Okay, um, uh, yeah, you're you're up for tenure, right?" Oh sure. And yeah. she's like, "Yeah, I, I I got it." And he's like, "Oh, that's great." She's like, "A year and a half ago," and he's mm. like. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. And it's like she kind of does it on purpose to show like we used to be super close right. and you dropped off the face of the earth and you don't even know what's going on in my life anymore. Yeah. But yeah. it's not played. It's like a character building moment that tells you something about their relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not ex- exposition. It doesn't right. matter that she got tenure. We never learn right. like what subject matter she teaches and where she does it. It's just like. It, it's it's used as proof to kind of show how far relations in this group have deteriorated. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's lots of like great stuff like that where like later on, um, the 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 girl who who drinks the stuff and dies, Gina. Gina. Gina, I think pulls either Will aside or Dawn. Is that her name? The main girl, not Dawn. The the the. The woman whose house it is. The wife. Yes. The ex-wife. Yeah. Uh, Eden. Eden. I knew it was Eden. one of those names. Um, <laughs> Gina pulls one of them aside and apologizes for not reaching out after everything happened. Yes. I, I have been that person. Yeah. And so I was like, oh man, that feels too real to me. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but I, it's like, it's an identifiable, relatable thing where it's like, yeah, you're yeah. in a, kind of a weird position. You don't know how to react. So things just kind of drift. Yeah, and I and again, I don't mean to harp on this too much. I know there's a lot of other things to talk about with this movie, but it's such a great like it's it it's such a great story about a group of friends who we never really hear about how they all meet. Right. It's kind of implied that it might be like college. Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. they they seem they're all old enough at this point that they've been out of school for several years. I didn't want to look and see how old everybody was because yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's a good chance I might be older than these people at this point. Yeah, maybe. I, like, I, I couldn't tell if it's yeah. like, are they like early 40s or are they like mid 30s? I, I think can't they're tell. like mid 30s. Yeah. The, cool. The, cool. Yeah. <laughs> the vibe I got was very much like these were people who used to see each other all the time because they would hang out together. They probably were different combinations of roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, they maybe went to school together. There was like situations where like like it is when you're in high school and college where you're just kind of like with your friends all the time mm-hmm. because you go to school with your friends or you live with your friends or you know what I mean? You just have this like built in social system. And then as you start getting older and people couple off and they settle down, they have families, they buy houses, everything starts to kind of spread out. Right. And then, yeah, you get these situations where it's like, how have we not seen each other in this long? Or yeah, something horrible happened to you and I wasn't a good friend. I didn't follow up. And then we sort of lost touch. Like, enough time they're they're old enough they're all old enough that they've started to experience that right which i think is like a very universal or you know 
maybe not universal, but a very common experience that a lot of people have where like you lo- you lo- leave college and you lose a bunch of friends. Yeah. Local Martian, mo- local Martian Green is, uh, <laughs> he was 39 when he made this movie. Oh, there so, you go. I guess late 30s. So yeah. got a couple years left. I was going to say, you got, you got a couple years left before your expiration date. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the reason that that works so well, or I should say um, all of that stuff, uh, I think the reason the, the rest of the movie works so well when it starts to... All right, let me rephrase this. <laughs> this is this is uh, this movie is a movie about a, a bunch of friends at a dinner party. Yes, but this is also a horror movie. Yes, and um, w- the more uh, unsettling horror elements, I think, work so well because that uncomfortableness is bolstered by the fact that the relationships are so believable. Yeah. So when the weird guy shows up. Or when they pull out the laptop and they're like, we want to tell you about the cult we're in. Yeah. Everybody is believable enough that you can kind of sense them all shift. Yeah. And they'll just kind of like start shooting looks at each other. And yes. it's, it's like it's believable of a group of friends who yeah. are. Yeah. Who've close. known each other for a really long time. Yeah. And you can kind of slip back into that familiar discourse or like the nonverbal communication of like, you know, like I feel like you and I have known each other long enough that if we were out somewhere and somebody started doing or saying something really obnoxious or whatever, like I could probably make eye contact with you across the room and you'd be like, Oh, Amanda's so pissed. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't need to like wave a big semaphore flag of being mm-hmm. like, this is annoying. Right? Like we'd both just be like, either that okay. it would go right over my head and yeah. I would just like smile and wave. <laughs> and point. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, this, this friend group, clearly has the 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 writing is so good in this movie because it gives the structure of like these people have enough background with one another yeah. that we don't need to have the details explained of like well you know that Tommy and Ben were roommates for 4 years at right, UCLA right. and then they lived in Silver Lake together in an apartment and then when Tommy met his girl his his now wife like she was a bitch and she pulled him away from the friend group and then they had kids and we never see him anymore but now he's here and his wife is mad like you don't get this whole like yeah. background about how everybody feels about Tommy's wife who's home with the kids yeah like it's you the, know the other thing that's so amazing about it to me well I don't know amazing is too big of a word but <laughs> it's just impressive Clay's to me favorite movie The Invitation The Invitation <laughs> um well one of the things I really appreciate is they don't do that thing that so many movies do, and I always find it like super cringy and it barely ever works. Yeah. When two people who are supposed to have known each other for a long time reminisce about an event in and talk about it in a way that the audience doesn't know what they're talking about, but they right. like laugh hysterically about it. Right. That stuff always rings super yeah. false. Or, or when you it's know. like one of them would just be like, "Well, you know, like that night in Cabo." Yeah. And or like, like, "Remember, oh, you're so bad." Yeah. Remember what you two did? Blah blah blah. It's yeah. like that stuff. I feel like it never works. Yeah. And they manage to not do it in this, right? Unless I'm forgetting it, they just let the all of these relationships and the this the situation that they're in work organically yes and just be of the moment that it's happening yeah and they don't just keep throwing you this crap to tr- to try and you know paint the cabinet shut right. with exposition <laughs> about how they they're friends they know each other they haven't talked to each other in a long time 
Yeah. Nobody at the beginning says, man, it's been a long time. I haven't seen you since your kid died. You know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like they might say things that edge around that. But yeah. like it, it, it definitely not. The, sorry. One of the, the, like, the, the other thing, sure. like they do this other thing or they don't do that, that I fucking hate <laughs> is when someone pulls someone aside and goes like, it's been so long since it happened. Yes. I fucking hate that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we're going to allude to the, the tragedy. Yeah. And the they don't, accident. They don't talk about it that way. Like, yeah. everybody knows it happened. Everybody yeah. knows the, the history between these two. But nobody's right. like, talking there's, about there's it. Like a there's a couple... I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean to No, no, there, there's a... very excited uh, yeah. about that. Um, it was not an invitation <laughs> to cut you off. I apologize. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's a couple moments where somebody will definitely say to Will, like... Yeah, I mean, of course it's hard. Like, of course it feels weird for you to be back here. Right. Like, you, it, 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 a lot of, you know, a lot of horrible shit happened here and you haven't been back here in a really long time. Of course it's weird and hard. Like, you, you need to, like, let some of that feeling go. You need to relax and understand that, like, we're here, we're now. Let's just have a nice night. Right. Like, nobody's like, Will, are you okay? Are you having... Are you having a hard time with the memories right. of your son right. in the house? Like, no one's doing that. And, like, not only do these writing choices that we're talking about here and these story choices make it, like, a more enjoyable movie to watch that, mm. that feels better paced and isn't, like, taking you out because of clunky dialogue. Like, it feels like you are just sitting in watching real people. Right, like. Right. I think that also is bolstered by the fact that like while some of these actors are familiar faces, none of them are like a list huge stars. Like Tom Cruise is not in this movie. Well, in one case familiar, but because you think it's somebody else. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not. He looks like him. No, 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 no. And I I know know there's definitely like, you know, the the guy who plays David was Dario in uh, Game of Thrones. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that these people are like nobodies. But I do think, like, I I think I read somewhere that, like, for a while they were imagining that this would be cast with, like, Zachary Quinto and, like, like, big name people. And I think part of what makes this movie work for me is that these are, like, attractive L.A. people, but they're not, like... Yeah, there's, you know, Zachary Quinto and Emily Blunt aren't right. the main couple right. who are the cult couple. And Tom Hardy's not Will and... Do you, do you know what I mean? I feel yeah, like if yeah. it was all these big, like star-studded names, it would just be you. You just can't help but think like, "Oh, this is a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie." Right. Whereas there are moments in this where it feels like you are just watching this friend group. Yeah the 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 biggest name in this movie, or the most well-known person, is Pruitt, the Zodiac killer. Yeah, Carol Carol something. I forget his name. Is but, it like uh, he's he a, he a, is he a John? Uh, John Carroll Lynch. We were both oh, right. Yeah, he's the most... Work. Well, him and, and Toby Huss, who plays uh, the cult leader. He yes. shows up... I love that guy. Yeah. He shows up <laughs> in so many different weird shit. Yeah. At playing different characters all the time. But John, John Carroll Lynch is kind of the same yeah, yeah. The same vibe, where it's like, once you know him and you, you've seen him in something, you spot him in other stuff. Yeah. But he's kind of just a guy. Like he's sort of this middle-aged looking dude. He's like balding. He's a little like on the the huskier side. He's just like tall, 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 just like, but he's just a dude. You're like, he doesn't look like a movie star. Right, right. Yeah. He's a great actor. He's He's fucking creepy. He's really good. (laughs) Um, I, 
I it's funny with him because I always for a long time I thought oh that's Drew Carey's brother from the Drew Carey show and then he made Zodiac and now it's like oh it's the Zodiac killer yeah <laughs> one of these things is more applicable to this movie than the other <laughs> yes um, yeah there's one other scene like relationship typey scene that's not overwritten that I really liked it's just yeah. it's a stupid tiny little thing but it's it's when Will goes into the bedroom <clears throat> excuse me and he finds the barbiturates yeah and. He's like putting himself back together to walk out and mm, David. <sighs> David. Thank you. Welcome. David comes walking in and catches him. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, all right, they're gonna have a dialogue scene now. And he like David I think it's a very honest reaction where he like he you can see him start to think about saying something and yeah. then he stops and he just goes why don't you join us back in the other room? Yeah. And I was I was just so relieved that they didn't have yep. like a talking scene. Yep. Some about like, shit. well, I know this must be hard for you. Right. But you have to understand that now that, that I know that this was your house and that was your wife, but now it's my house and she's right. my wife and I need you to respect that. Right. Like yeah. we could have had a whole big confrontation like that. And yeah. instead it's just these two men who just stare at each other for a few beats and then it's like why don't we go back? Mm. Yeah. David's a really interesting character because yeah. He's incredibly welcoming. Like it's it, I guess it's yes. it, it makes sense, but he's incredibly welcoming like in that scene he doesn't there's no sort of confrontation. Yep. He demures to to Will for the most part. Yep. But at the same time, they have secured the house so that nobody can get out. Yes. Nobody can escape. Yes. So it's very much like a pulling them into the trap kind of situation yeah I th- even though they I, might not consider it a trap but. and i think that's that's you know there's there's a lot to unpack in that mm-hmm. where it's like of course you can afford to be benevolent and patient and welcoming and warm when you know you've already cut off all other contingencies yeah and you know that you have a big plan that all these people are unaware of and will not expect mm-hmm. and like yeah, it's easy for him to sort of be like, why cause all this drama now? Like, I'm just going to be nice and let it go and get him to come back to the table to have some of my uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah. He's got like, in, in retrospect, he's got such like a defi- like clear goal. Yes. Which is, yes. I just have to get everybody to the point of the evening where they drink the poison wine. Yep. And so he's just doing whatever he has to do. Yep. To make sure, like, it's not like he's, they're still being kind of weird. Like, they're Absolutely. showing him, they're showing him the cult video. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're having, playing the game, which gets kind of per- personal to the point where yeah. Claire, is that what you said her name was? Uh, the blonde, The yes. blonde girl. Yes. Uh, decides she wants to leave. Yep. And then most likely gets killed by the Zodiac Killer. Yep. Um, but, but like, there's a goal for, for uh, David and Eden, which is, I think more David than Eden, probably. Yeah. Which is get everybody to desert essentially yep when we can all kill ourselves yeah but there's this interesting like there there's like two kind of i mean there's so many big things i want to talk about with this movie because it's 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 i think one of the movies that we've watched recently that's like heaviest on concept and sure. themes sure. like i think a lot of the movies and this might just be because we've been doing a lot of Friday the 13th coverage. Yes. Um, but I feel like several of you them... You mean you don't think yeah. that the characters in Friday the 13th Part 8 have the same sort of unspoken, well, understanding, relatable factor that these ones do? 
I mean, probably not. And I also don't think that, you know, the writers and directors were thinking about, like, how do we make a movie that's a complex portrayal of grief and mourning and how different people cope with grief differently? Mm-hmm. And you know, like, you're just mad that they cut out the scene at the kid's birthday party where Will gives him his birthday present, which is the pen Stephen King used in high school. Or I, for him, I for that kid, say Jason's hockey mask. No, for that so. kid, it would probably be like the pen R.L. Stein used in high school. <laughs> the um, God, what 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 was the the, the sexton that Stephen King oh, used yes. in high school? <laughs> yes. Um, no, but there there's something so interesting about this movie because I think, like, when you watch it for the first time, you don't fully. You maybe don't see this completely. I know I didn't the first mm-hmm. time, but I, I saw it more this time, which is that like David and Eden, the cult couple, mm-hmm. as we've been calling them, um, they think they're doing the right thing. Right. And they also think they're doing, they think they're doing the right thing and they think they're doing what's best for the people they love. Yes. And so the whole night is kind of structured around without telling their guests what the plan is they they're clearly trying to give them a last happy night right like they're trying to make everything nice they're trying to be really warm and welcoming they they're you know they got the they they bust out the best wine they've got all this beautiful food even their game i want it's sort of oh, like sure, yeah. like a like a last your your you know what's your last request you know your your last wish right like yeah. what do you you can have anything you want we're no judgment here so what do you want you want to kiss this person you want to do some coke you want to tell your truth and like tell your story and get it off your chest like everybody gets to have what they want everybody gets to have this lovely night with all these people that they love and then without knowing it they are gonna before you know they realize that they're gonna pass peacefully away mm-hmm. and like there, it's so clear when you're rewatching it that the plan the whole time is not about like violent murder. It's not about rage. It's right. not about hatred. It's not like a revenge plot. It's like David especially has the complete faith of a true believer. Right. Like he he is he's like a pure fanatic with this cult. So he really believes in all of this. He he really believes that like. I'm doing this wonderful thing for these people. Yeah. And it's, it makes it all the more creepy because he's so fully committed to his path. And like, he, he so completely believes in it. There's no doubt in him. Um, but I do think it becomes interesting when everything goes to shit. Yeah. And he and Eden, you, you, there's this moment where Will and Kira, I think overhear him and Eden and Eden's crying and she's saying it was supposed to be beautiful. Mm. Like, and I think that's the key to it. Like they tried to craft this perfect night and have it be beautiful, have it be this beautiful final moment on earth, this beautiful experience together that they then, you know, they, they all die together and they're reunited in the beyond kind of deal. Um, and that's not, that's not what happens. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. Cause like when you, as far as cults go, um it seems very realistic the yeah uh well before we get that, the other thing i just <laughs> wanted to say was the 
like the the thing that makes the unease work so well is I feel like everybody has been in that situation where you think the whole time, all right, why are we really here? Like there's something off yeah. about this party. Either someone's going to tell us that they're pregnant or something or yeah. they're going to try and sell us something <laughs> or have us try to join a cult or whatever. And they they balance it really well with um, everybody's kind of uneasy, but yeah. Will is paranoid. Paranoid. Yes. And uh, rightfully so, we find out. But they give you this kind of fake out where he feels like he gets the evidence that there's... Yes, know, um, nefarious goings on. Yes, with he's got a voicemail from Choi. I think it was Choi, right? Yeah. Couldn't tell if it was Choi Fucking or... Choi. Choi or Troy, I couldn't tell. <laughs> Didn't they call... Don't they say that at one point where they're talking about, like, where is he? And everybody's so, like, yes. is that Choi? Fucking Choi. Yeah, yeah fucking Choi. Fucking Choi. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> um, where he gets a, a voicemail saying that Choi... He's, yeah. he's not at the party, but the yes. voicemail says that he arrived at the house. And so Will freaks out. And he's like, where is he? And it seems like this is the point where everything's going to break. And it's like, oh, yep. he's right. Something nefarious is going on. And then Choi shows up. Right. And everything turns back around again. Yes. And it just kind of sets everything on a spin where at that point, you as an audience member don't know if... Yeah. This is nefarious goings on. I mean, you kind of probably assume there is, but it's tough to tell whether if if the story is about this party that turns out to be a bunch of cult people killing people or if it turns out to be about Will losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, like the first time you watch this through, there's a moment where you sort of think like, oh, oh shit, did I misread this whole situation? Is right. this going to turn into like, and then Will snaps? Because he's... There's kind of like threads throughout the movie that imply that he's not fully present like in the in in reality around him. Like not only is he reminiscing about memories in the house with his son, memories after their son dies with Eden and she tries to slit her wrists at the bathroom at the that kitchen sink or them in the bathtub. Like he's getting lost in these sort of reveries, but there's also these cuts mm. where it's like He'll be like in a room, you know, having a conversation with somebody and then someone else will call his name and he'll turn his head and he's outside. Right, right. And it doesn't happen a ton, but it happens enough that it's like it mimics, I think, what's supposed to be his feeling of like dislocation and Mm. disorientation. But it also makes you think like, okay, what's going on with him that he doesn't like, is he missing time here? Is he like... Like something's something's off with him. And there's that one scene where he's like, it's like silent screaming, and then they yes. do like a hard cut and he's somewhere else, and it's yeah. not really sure. If, I mean, clearly it's not in his head because nobody's seen him do it, but right, or so it is it, in his head rather. Yeah, it it adds this layer of like he's definitely the protagonist from the beginning of the movie, and you know right away that he's very unreliable. He's he's sure. a completely unreliable narrator. If he's sort of the central point of view character, arguably, like, you know, you're missing pieces of the story mm-hmm. from him. The thing is, you're also missing pieces of the story from Eden and David. Right. Yeah. So, it, but it does, it, there's enough plausible, like, questioning in there about, like, all right, who's the real crazy pe- person? Right. Is yeah. it is it the weird couple that keeps saying, I love you? Or is it this guy who's, like, grief stricken and not dealing with it well? Yeah. 
He's reliable enough to kill a coyote who's been hit by a car, though. So I mean, be worth something, I guess. Yeah. Points to, points to uh, Will. <clears throat> yeah, the, the protagonist thing is interesting, too, because as I was watching this, I was thinking, I, it's too bad we hadn't watched this uh, in the same kind of ballpark to the point that I could remember it better mm-hmm. with uh, Your Next, because mm. they both kind of have similar settings, except yeah. Your Next, the protagonist, is the person from the outside who's come in, which is yes. the girlfriend. Yes. And in this one, the girlfriend, that character is there. She goes through all the the whatnot, but the pr- protagonist is the is Will, who is part of this group. Yeah. Um. And I, it's it. I found it strange because I was thinking like Kira, the the girlfriend yep. in this. I was like, she's kind of. I don't know. She's a little superfluous to the story, only because in my head I'm like, usually you would think she would be the main character. Like it's the outsider coming. I'm not saying yeah. that's how it should have been. No, no, no. I I, it, I, yeah, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. But, but I like, feel like that's usually because, because then that becomes your your uh, uh, your linchpin of your exposition, right? Right. You get this person who doesn't know any of these people. It's like, right. Oh, so you're a doctor. Yeah. Oh, well, so yeah, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of like kind of water cooler style talk. Yeah. Yeah. And what she's what she does really well in this is she is this sort of like support system for will Mm -hmm. but she doesn't take over everything so she's she's there she's someone she's i mean if you want to get really heady about it she's like the uh the the future it's she's his future while he's dealing with his past kind of thing yeah you know getting her out of there even though she takes she takes control a bit at the end which is nice. but yeah um no and and it's interesting because this movie also doesn't do the um the, the sort of like jealousy subplot you would expect right, from right. one side or the other or both sides, but different. Like David's not confronting Will saying like, get over it. She's my wife now. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kira's not being like, wow. Oh, so your ex-wife, huh? She seems a little crazy, doesn't yeah. she? It's a weird cult thing. I'm kind of surprised you were ever married to somebody like her. She seems terrible. Like, Cause like that stuff doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really happen. In no. real life, at least not in that. A couple, when you're leaving, maybe the next day, you have those kinds of conversations. But if you're at that party with those sure. kinds of people, you're not going to say that stuff. Well, and especially in this kind of situation where, you know, especially I think from like Kira's point of view, she's probably heard all about oh, sure. Eden yeah. and, and their son. And she's probably thinking, I know he needs me to be compassionate and understanding. I know he hasn't seen her in two years. I know they divorced because of this tragedy not because eden was a bad person Mm -hmm. like i need to keep my my own feelings need to i'll I'll go gossip to my friends after this and be like yeah she was kind of woo woo new age weirdness like i guess you know grief changes people in different ways you Mm -hmm. never know but like you could tell that she was very much there on this mission of like i'm gonna smooth things over I'm going to support Will. I'm going to try to play nice with his friends who mm-hmm. I'm finally getting to meet. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 like if they haven't hung out in this long, Kira's probably heard stories about them and like maybe met somebody occasionally. But like this is probably a big deal for her too where she's like, I want to make a good impression. Yeah. These people are important to Will. I want them to like me. I want to make this work because I love my boyfriend. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a unique perspective for that kind of character because I think there is another version of this movie where 
you're following Kira. Yes. And Kira's the one who's picking up on the weirdness at the party. Kira's right. the one who's like snooping around and Will's like, what the hell are you doing? These right. are my friends. Yeah, yeah. You can't be snooping through my ex-wife's right. dresser. Like, don't be jealous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- which they don't do. And yeah. I, I appreciate that they don't go for that easy, easy, you know, easy layup there. Yeah, and I think something that's so interesting and relatable about this movie that we've been kind of talking about but I'm going to put a more specific point on at least this aspect of it is that so much of what happens in this movie and so much of the horror of this movie works because the people involved are polite. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Like it is this sort of bizarro, like Henry James, like, like, like a comedy of manners sort of style literature thing. I'm sorry. You made no, you made the face at me. I know what that means. Well, I have a face. <laughs> you yes, you do have a face. You get two eyes oh, that's, and a nose and a mouth. Refreshing and a big to know. beard. Um, what a relief. But yeah, it it is sort of this like. There's a different version of this movie that is more of like a Jane Austen novel. Oh sure. Let me, let me put it that way. Yeah. I think that's a little like more easy to kind of map on to each other. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so much of this is like, and, and I feel like we've all been there, whether it's like a family event or your friends, you know, oh, my friends got engaged and I have to go to their engagement lunch mm-hmm. and it's like all of their family and all of their friends and like, I don't really know these people, but like right. I have to be nice, even though this seems super weird to me. They're talking about like having to do this. Oh, the tradition in our family is we do this weird thing and you're just like, oh, wow, that's a really it's nice culture, tradition. Amanda. Don't make fun of people's cultures. Always and forever. <laughs> but like, yeah, like this is so dependent on the fact that everybody feels obligated to go along to get along. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, the point where everything, I mean, it, 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 the, 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 the tough thing about talking about this movie yeah. is, be, is that it works so well as just like a drama yes. that I'm probably sure people are like, well, this, why is this a horror movie? What's yes. That? And trust me, it's in there. Yeah. Um, because what we find out, we've, we've mentioned a little bit, is that uh, uh, David and Eden are part of this cult. Yes. Who, uh, I wanted to talk about the cult a little bit because I feel like the cult is, feels very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Meredith, who you might remember from last episode where she gave us the breakdown of the shoes. Our shoe correspondent. Informed me, or informed us that- She's also our cult correspondent. She's also our cult correspondent. Informed us that uh, the actions that David and Eden are taking throughout the evening uh, line up pretty well with Lifton's theory of thought reform, which is something that is- Who's the nerd now, Clay? Yeah, Meredith. (laughs) Uh, Which is is a breakdown of of the uh, different ways that groups can uh basically it it sounds like it's a it's a fancy way of saying brainwashing to a certain extent where it's how to control you how to get you to the point where they want you to be yeah like manipulation yeah yeah which includes uh milieu control uh which is the control of information and communication mystical manipulation which is the manipulation of experiences that appear spontaneous but in fact were planned and orchestrated as if the group has a higher purpose Self self sanctification through purity, which is a world viewed as black and white, members constantly pushed to conform to ideology of group and strive for perfection, which creates guilt. Mm. Uh, Confession, 
which is sins as defined by the group are to be confessed, creates cognitive cognitive dissonance. If words and actions are different, that leads you to change actions and beliefs. The aura of sacred science, which is the groups. That's yeah, that's a. That's what I'm going to call my autobiography, <laughs> which is uh, the group's ideology is ultimate truth or perfection beyond all questioning or dispute. So follow rules, procedures without question. Mm. Uh, loaded language, which includes group interprets or uses words, phrases in new ways, often that the outside world doesn't understand control language equals control thought. That comes up a lot in like Scientology, I think, where they use yeah. a lot of... Um, Jargon and acronyms where it's just that the letters, yes, RLH and stuff. Yep, um, doctrine over person, which is Mm. uh, group is more important than the individual beliefs and experiences. Any contrary experiences must be denied and/or reinterpreted to fit the ideology of the group and dispensed existence, which is insider insiders versus outsiders. Insiders are to be saved, outsiders are doomed to failure and loss constant fear of being cast out and i think you get a lot of this through the short video that they watch yes and what's really fascinating to me about that video is again i don't know maybe they spent time writing a long backstory for what the deal with this cult was yeah where toby huss's character came from how he started it dr joseph dr joseph but like (laughs) i was thinking about it and i was like it seems like the point of this cult is that when you die, it's really nice. Yep. And that's it. Yep. And like, I, that's all you need. Yep. Let's put on our matching track suits and Nikes. Right. And get and the hell out of here. Because like the, the character that they create in that video that they show is so well put together that you get all of these uh, theory of thought reform bits coming out yes. of there to see how this cult works. You're seeing how this Dr. Joseph is controlling people. You're seeing this ethos of like, we're all going to be together in the afterlife and it's yes. going to be great. Yes. And that's the only thing that you need to be the driving point for the story. Right. You don't need like a whole big, like, here are our 13 commandments and four additional recommendations for living life. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't need all of that. Like, here is our doctrine spelled out and our sort of manifest and our mission statement. Like, yeah. there's there's none of that. It's like... And I guess it's it's probably very much worth talking a little bit about what's in that video. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so thus far we've gotten like Will and Kira come to this come to this party. Everybody's sort of arriving. Um, David and Eden have their like crazy girlfriend Sadie there. Yes, and then Pruitt shows up, who's there like you know. Zodiac killer style yeah. friend. I, I what I did really appreciate about those two characters too is like yeah. there's those those characters are always in cults. There's yes. one like <laughs> whacked out girl who's willing yeah. to sleep with literally anybody. Yep. And there's always one guy who's like the muscle guy. Well, and the thing I appreciated about this specifically was that they clearly had like no real relationship with each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even think they talk to each other. Yeah, you never see them like interacting. There's no, there's none of them like shooting each other looks across the room. Right. She like gets excited when he comes. I think she's like, "Oh, you're here, you're here," and runs over and hugs him. Right. But there's not a lot of like, 
Like the easy thing would have been like, is like Pruitt and uh, is Sadie's partner in life. Sure. Like it would have no, like. We find all about, out all yeah. about Pruitt's partner in life. Yes. It is a harrowing story. Yes. But so everybody's sort of arrived and everybody's had some delicious wine and they are settling in and they're kind of mingling and we get a long period of kind of nothing. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of like character vignettes and talking and sort of establishing the tone and then, yeah, like David and Eden are like, we really want to show you something. Right. Have you heard of the invitation? And people start kind of being like, yeah, oh, say it right. no. Come on. I will not. Just once. Nope. Thought reform. Come on, do it. No. Ah. <laughs> Try again. You're a bad cult leader, Clay. Yeah. Go back to cult leader school. <laughs> um, but so they get everybody to watch this video. If you do it, though, it's for the benefit of the listeners, which is the group, which is bigger than yourself. Mm, I, yeah, that's... We'll get there. Nope. We'll get there. Um, but so they, they, they watch this video that has this sort of introduction from Dr. Joseph. Mm. And then most of the video is a recording of this woman who's dying of cancer mm. in her final moments and Dr. Joseph kind of holding her hand while these other people sit around her bedside and they talk about, they ask her, how do you feel right now? And she says, I feel loved. I'm like, are you know, are you scared? And she's like, no, I, I am, I'm at peace. I'm ready to go be with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's this very like in context, it's like really disturbing because it's clear that like, it, it, I think it's well done. I think it's like a fairly realistic portrayal of somebody who is like dying of disease, yeah. like struggling for her breath and kind of like fading off. And like it's played in this way where as the video is going and it, it goes from the introduction into this sequence of this woman dying on camera, the the camera that is recording this film pans around the couches to the party goers Mm -hmm. and gets their reactions and you see some people clearly trying to sort of like control their expressions and like be like okay i don't know what's happening let's reserve judgment let's try to and then other people looking totally horrified and shooting these little glances at each other and then there's a brief moment where you see eden and she's got this like beatific smile on her face yeah yeah and then this woman dies and everybody has the, the the rational reaction of like, why would you show that at a party? Yeah. I hope that that video is available in a full form because I'm going to show it on Saturday <laughs> when people come over to SummerSlam. Be like, Before we start, I, I just want to show you, show you. <laughs> Dr. Joseph. Yeah. But that's kind of like, I think there are other little moments in this movie where you start to feel like things are going weird beyond just like Will and his grief. And that's the moment where you're really like, oh, okay, they are actually in a cult. Like yeah, these, these yeah. two are not just like weird eccentric people who've been like doing too much, like you know, vinyasa yoga and mm-hmm. reiki, like stuff. They're like they're not getting vaccines. I can tell you that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, that video that video shifts the tone. In a way that I think is really interesting. Yeah. And then and then Claire leaves. And it's like from there on, you kind of start getting this vibe of like, what's really going yeah, on here? Yeah, the noose starts tightening from that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that's that's nice about the, the, the cult is that it is a 
very realistic, at least, I mean, from from, from what all I've, the cults that you've run? Well, I'm thinking specifically, I watched that HBO documentary on Nexium. Oh, Jesus. And it, feel, it feels a lot like that. Yeah. Where it's like, on the surface, it's kind of benign. Yeah. And it's like, it's a self-help program. It's, it's the, the leader is a very unimpressive, doofy looking white guy. Yeah. Well, have you ever watched any of the Marshall Applewhite? Um, very, Heaven's I, Gate very few yeah. videos like those are kind, they're, those feel a little sillier because they've got this kind of like 70s sci-fi vibe to them. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of the same thing where it's just this, this, this like kind of like, I don't know, kind of dorky looking white dude over a certain age who's just like, would you like to come to a place, a plane of existence that's peaceful Come join us. And yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. When I was watching that Nexium documentary. Yeah. Ev- did you watch any of it? I did. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time, every time they showed this guy, especially when they showed him all decked out to play volleyball. <laughs> I was going to say in his little sweatband, <laughs> yeah, his I kept, little shorts. I kept going. <laughs> him? This fucking guy? Yeah. Like, why Why are these people, you know, nobody was killing themselves. Thank- I mean, it wasn't great, but yeah. it didn't get to that point. Uh, not that it, the point it got to was any better. Well, it was better than dying, I guess. But yeah. But th- there's so many people that are devoted to this guy. Yeah. For reasons I cannot figure out. Yeah. And it is all. It it felt it felt very much like the video in this movie. Yes. Where it's it's this idea of kind of thought control, where it's yeah. like if you can reframe things for people in a way that is uh, helpful, even if they don't realize it is um, destructive. Yes. Then you can go a long way with that. Well, yeah, and this guy's clearly preying on people who've suffered intense loss. Yeah, the fact that he's a doctor is great, too. I like, mean, that's if, just if, like, is he a doctor? Well, that's the question. Is, it it's doesn't like, matter, like, the fact that right, that's in his name right, is yes. very, very yeah. good detail. But he's preying on, like, a very vulnerable population, oh, sure. which is why yeah. he can get away with a lot of what he gets away with, I think. Yeah, and I think it works better than if they had gone the other direction and had it been like a capital C cult where it's, you know, robes yes. and shit. Or like, yeah, yeah. Like and if now it we'll go down the, to the basement yeah. for the ritual. Like yeah. if the end of this had been the end of like House of the Devil. I, I was don't just think thinking it would that. Be yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nearly as effective. I think it's, it's uh, the terror of it comes out of how mundane it is. Yeah, like there's this moment once so so when things really start going nuts is like everybody's had dinner, Will's had his freak out, mm-hmm. and everybody's gotten kind of mad at him mm-hmm. or or deeply uncomfortable. And then they get him back to the table, everybody seems like it's settling in, and they start passing out the like dessert wine. You know, they're like pouring it out and in from this like decanter. Mm-hmm. Never trust a decanter. Never trust a decanter. Um and in the midst of all of this, like Gina takes a sip of hers and Will freaks out again and starts smashing all the glasses and he's causing such a disruption that people are dropping things and everybody's, you know, all over the place. And Sadie screams at him, you ruined it. Right, yeah. And she attacks him, which causes more chaos. Then they turn and they realize like, oh, Gina's not breathing. Mm-hmm. Gina's on the ground foaming at the mouth. Well, you think, again, they, they give you a bit of a, a nice little twist where you think for a second that the 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 turn is going to come mm. when Sadie, yes, uh, when Will throws her off of him and she whacks her head and yes. it looks like she's dead. Yeah. But that's kind of a misdirect 
to get to get you off kilter for when they turn back and Gene is foaming at the mouth down on the table. Yes. And from there, it's like David. Who pulls out the gun? So that's the one thing I would change. Yeah. So I was thinking about this afterwards, and I was like, I feel like Pruitt should be the mm. first person to start opening fire because it's David. David gets the yeah. gun and goes over and shoots Miguel. Yes. I, it feels to me like Pruitt should be the one to get that going. Like he's the he, the reason he's there is to make sure nobody leaves. See, I actually like I agree with you. I mm-hmm. agree like that that's what Pruitt's purpose is. But I like that they have David do it mm-hmm. because he does it and then he looks horrified. That's true. Good point. Like yeah. he's he's clearly like he's a fanatic, so he's going to do this, but he's clearly not by his nature a right. violent person. And so there is this moment where you almost maybe think this act of violence has kind of jarred him out of it. Sure. Like it's kind of made him go, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But Pruitt's there. And Pruitt, as we hear from his horrible story of his wife. I did forget one of the party files should be (laughs) responding to a question about you by giving a in-depth explanation of how you killed your wife while you were drunk and went to jail for a while. Right. But you forgive yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Which like. I mean, good for you, bro. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. yeah. You feel good about you it. You feel good about yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, so like Pruitt's, Pruitt's kind of there to just be like, all right, we're fucking doing this. And he takes the gun from David because David's so like rattled by killing somebody. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't he just turn and shoot Choi or somebody? Yes. Like yeah. immediately, like he's just like, all right, like you can tell Pruitt is going to methodically go through each person in this party until everyone's dead. Yeah. And I was just, as we were talking about it, I realized why it's important for David to do it. Yeah. Because if the if what happens is Sadie yells, you ruined it, and then mm-hmm. Pruitt is the first one to shoot. Yeah. Then that makes it seem like it's the outsiders who are doing it. Right. When it needs to be yes. David and or eden who are yes because it's their house it's their plan it's clearly their vision of how they wanted this to go was everybody you know drinks their wine and dies together yeah yeah um but there's a moment when so this this sort of sequence in the dining room sets off the dominoes of now everybody is scattering and running away and Mm -hmm. pruitt sadie Eden and David are the cult members who are going after everyone else at this party to kill them. And the doors are locked. There are bars on the window. Will has some advantage because this used to be his house. So he knows the layout. He's like kind of better able to navigate away. But he takes Kira and he kind of says to her, remember, they're just people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like this great moment where... He's saying it to try to calm her down to sort of say, like, we can get through this. We can survive this. But I think it also emphasizes the horror of this movie, Mm. which is that, like, they are just people. They're not they're not monsters. They're not like supernatural entities. Nobody's possessed like they're people and they're choosing to do this. Right. Yeah. Which is scarier in some ways than some outside force, because especially for Will, these are people he he loves. Mm. You know, his, he loved Eden. So it's like having her do this to him is like not only a betrayal, but a huge shock. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, fi- that final sequence is, I think, really effective um, because it goes from zero to 100 so quickly. Yeah, really quickly. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, there's there are so many people and they scatter yeah. so 
like a few of them are gone immediately, but then the yep. rest of them, like I forgot that uh, Miguel's boyfriend was still out there. Yeah. Because he gets, I think Eden slashes him across the stomach. Yep. And he goes down. So I just assumed that he was dead, but then he shows up a little bit later to kind of right. save the day a little bit. Um, yeah. And because of the the layout of the house, you sort of get, even as Will is kind of running and hiding you sort of see through doorways and windows these framed kind of vignettes of the other party guests getting murdered yeah yeah and i think the other i think the other thing that they do really well too is they i mean that you get a little bit of it at the end from uh from david right before he kind of gets killed but they kind Mm. of avoid too much bad guy monologuing yeah there's not a lot of proselytizing in this yeah there's yeah. a little bit right at the end but sure. it's not not of which from him i do think makes sense because like i've been saying he's a true believer you right. know like he's fully indoctrinated in this cult it would make some sense that he's kind of saying like no you don't understand yeah but and but he also never unless i'm misremembering he never like loses his cool like it's it's all pretty fairly down the middle, right? Yeah, like he's yeah. Very, he's like, no, this is just what needs to happen. He's not yes, like screaming yeah. and freaking out. Exactly, or exactly. Yeah, he's never. This is Eden not does about that a bit, but <laughs> yeah. But for her, it's clearly like more complicated. Whereas for, for yeah, like I was saying, it's not it's not about anger. It's not about revenge. This isn't this isn't a your next story, right, right? Where it's like I fucking hate my family, right? And if I get them and I kill all of them, not only do I never have to deal with them again, I get all the money, right? Like yeah. you're not dealing with any of that. It's not about greed. It's not about hatred. It's just like, oh no, this is the right thing to do. This is what we all need to do now. And you don't understand. We tried to get you to understand by getting you to watch the video. And you didn't understand, but that's fine. You'll see after we die that this is the right thing that we needed to do. Yeah. And it's so it's really sad, I think, when Eden shoots herself. Yes. First of all, because she shoots herself in a oh. very inconvenient place Whoa. that's going to take a long time to die. Yeah. Um, I was just reading about. Oh, I was listening to the last podcast on the left. They were talking nice. about Billy the Kid. Oh. And they talked for a little bit about how getting shot in the stomach in the 1800s was probably one of the worst ways you could die. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, it's, it's really, it's really sad for her because what you really get out of her at the end there is that all she wanted is to see her son again. Yeah. And she believes that whatever the afterlife brings, she will be reunited with her son. Yep. And that she wants everybody else she loves to be there with her. Yes. And she's, it's like, it's not even that she's sad that this didn't. It's not like a there's no breaking of the illusion for her. She's just right. she's just sad that it's not it's not going to happen. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, it's like her grief is just so fresh and it's still there. Yeah. And I think there it's really interesting cuz there's a moment where Will says um I think I think Will says it to Kira when he's talking about it the the son's accident mm-hmm. and he says I've been waiting to die since that day. Yeah. That's how I feel every time I drop a bagel, cream cheese <laughs> side down on the floor. You're just waiting to die. I actually, it, occur, it actually happened to me today because I went out, it was pouring out rain mm. and, I, and I wanted bagels. So I yes. went down the street, got a bag of bagels. Yes. And they put them in a paper bag. Oh no. It was, it was raining, raining, Yeah, raining, yeah. Raining, we raining. had like tornado warnings and yeah. shit. Yeah. And five feet from my stairs... The paper bag <gasps> ripped through because of the rain. Oh no! And the bagels, which were in a plastic bag, yes. fell onto the street. 
And I was like, oh, plastic bag, no big deal. Only when I brought them in did I discover that the plastic bag was not waterproof. <gasps> and so there was street water oh, in there with the bags. Oh, no. And at that point, ever since that point, I've just wanted to die. <laughs> a similar thing happened a few weeks back to my husband. Um, we were at a, at a brewery and he got like a bratwurst, mm-hmm. like on a, a big, big sausage on a on a roll and he was so excited and he started to take a bite and the whole thing came out of the roll and fell directly onto the brewery floor. Yeah. And I, I think he's been waiting for the rapture ever since. Yeah. Well, I have a group that he might want to join <laughs> if he accepts the invitation <laughs> to do so. I just laughed so hard. I woke your dog up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think, pr- you know, it's, it's extra scary because, Pruitt is just stone faced the whole time. Like he doesn't, I, he gets emotional like when he tells the story about his wife. But even then, it's but like even, not normal yeah, emotions. Yeah, it's like, it's like it's the same kind of emotion Eden has, where it's yeah. like she's happy about what's happening here. Yes. And when everything starts going crazy, Pruitt is just stone cold. Yeah. And the fact that he's not like a monster. Yeah, is is really effective. There's the scene when uh, when he gets when Kira takes him out by beating him to death with the the wine bottle. So good. It's it's really fucking creepy because yeah. like he just keeps getting up and yep. kind of screaming in sort of an inhuman way before she takes him out. Yeah, yeah, but it is like a sort of like if you've ever wondered what those scenes with like Michael Myers or Jason would be like with a real person yeah. where somebody knocks him down and they keep getting up. That's like what you get in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the ending ending of this yes. is uh, this reveal. At a certain point in the movie, um, David goes out and he, he lights this red lantern. Yes, in the, put, in the yard. Yes, yeah. and he, in, in the yard, and he hangs in the yard. And uh, after they've taken everybody out, it's uh, uh, Will, Kira, and the Miguel's boyfriend. Ben? ben sure. I think. Um, they have survived, and they're out on the in the backyard, which overlooks like the Hollywood Hills or whatever. Yeah, this is a super wealthy neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. it's well, they they look around and they see all of these red lanterns, yes. peppered among the hills. Yep, and then you start hearing uh, helicopters and police screams. cars, screams, gunshots. Yep, and it's this idea that this is this is like happening many places, and yes. this is a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Orchestrated. Co- orchestrated, coordinated <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. And they, they don't explain it. It's it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a cute, funny ending when you think about how many of those red lanterns are in like the Hollywood Hills. And it's like, yeah, of course that's where they'd all be. <laughs> in LA. But, I, but you know what? I think it's pretty great because there's the, the moment when I think it, it's, it's around the time they show the video mm-hmm. during the party. And they ask, you know, what do you know about the invitation or like, you know, can you tell us, tell us about like, what do you guys actually do? And like, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about the cult. And a lot of people in the group are being like, oh, no, I mean, my my boss is super into it. Yeah. Like, it's not like a fringe thing. Like, there's all these people who are like, oh, yeah, you know, my aunt really likes it. My boss is into it. Like, oh, yeah, my my girlfriend's roommate is you know always doing you know the invitation stuff right right it's really pervasive it's sort of like um and they say this is somebody who does peloton but it's sort of like the peloton thing where like all of a sudden everybody does it oh sure like you could ask even a bunch of like our friends like have you ever done this and uh, several of them would be like yeah and you're just like wait since when why does everybody why do you have that t-shirt like yeah (laughs) 
yeah where it's just like it's this thing that like highly you know it's like highly motivated usually pretty educated usually well off like upper middle class people are getting super into this cult and it probably just seems like like you were saying like a like a self-improvement sort yeah. of thing and yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's uh, so pervasive that it's dangerous yeah i i kind of felt like it hit a little bit differently watching it this time just because like i'm not going to go in into any specifics about the current time we're living in yes. but um the, the moment where they step outside and see how widespread this thing yeah. is it's the moment where you realize oh crap this is something a lot of people believe yes it's uh let's just say it's a relatable feeling yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> well like so when when we were watching this um my husband was watching this with me and he was this was his first time seeing it mm-hmm. and we were getting to the end and in the, our three survivors were outside in the backyard and greg said i mean i liked this movie this was a really good movie but i don't understand why it's a horror movie to me this is a thriller sure like, okay interesting. i feel like this should be more of like a thriller and i was kind of like because I didn't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. And then they all turn and they look and they see all the red lanterns and he goes, oh. Interesting. I get why it's a horror movie now. Interesting. Like that is what it took for him to see it as a horror movie rather than just a thriller about these crazy cult people. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I guess that would that would lead us into the, uh, <clears throat> the last bit, which is yes. um, its placement on the list. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. Uh, it is, what did I say, uh, 117. Uh-huh. Uh, do you feel like that's deserved? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Should it be, re- be removed? So I think it should be on the list. Mm-hmm. 117, higher than The Shining. See, that's where I keep running into trouble. Yeah. And and, and higher than like The th- the Thing, right? Oh, yes. I yeah. believe so, yeah. So it's like, I don't know if I first watched this, if this would smack of horror movie right away to me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, some of our listeners maybe, probably Wes, um, would say that this is not a horror movie. You know, I don't know. Because we've, we've, we've talked about that a bit on, on our Discord. Yeah. And uh, um, Wes's... Di- uh, definition has been like if there's a supernatural element then that would make it horror yes <clears throat> um but he doesn't explicitly mean supernatural like ghosts it's just like sure the the more kind of general idea of supernatural yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I wonder if you could put the cult aspect in that in that uh yeah box yeah. i don't know i would have to ask him sure i didn't mean to i didn't mean to ascribe a very specific opinion to him i more meant that like <laughs> i could see him either making or understanding the argument for why it's not a horror movie yeah i i would i would be interesting to, i would be interested to know where he fell in yeah. that because i i think you're right i think this could go either way for him yeah. yeah that being said i do think it's a horror movie i do think it should be on the list i don't think it should be 117 I yeah. like this movie a lot. I think it has a lot to recommend it. I think it's a great scary movie to watch if if you have people in your life who like kind of thrillers but don't like horror movies, like aren't interested in monsters or jump scares. This mm-hmm. is a good kind of way to 
<laughs> to watch a horror movie with non-horror fans. Right, right. Um, I think the acting's really good. I think the writing is great. I think the pacing is pretty good. It's gorgeous. It's like, a it, beautiful movie. I was, I was getting actively upset. Yeah, you were getting mad at yeah. <laughs> the Amazon stream version. Like, I am always going to go to bat for physical media <laughs> because I think the quality is always better. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's... You know, if you if you believe that about vinyl, sure. But yep. vinyl CDs almost always better quality than streaming audio. Yeah, <clears throat> and with video too, having having it on disc like a Blu-ray is always going to look better. Yeah, than the stream that you're getting. Yes, and I don't know exactly how it was showing up on you, you guys' TV, but <laughs> we have a three hundred dollar TV from Walmart that we bought eight years ago, so. So who's to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like this movie is really dark. Like the the the, yeah. the light the light in this movie is is very soft in a lot of places. There's a lot yep. of darkness. There's a lot of color, but it's not bright color. Yes. In in some places it is, but not yeah not a yeah lot of it. no I, I I agree. There's you a, get lot a lot of, like, of neutral tones. Yeah. And, a lot and when of, they like, go outside, you're getting a lot of the yeah. the lights from the city and stuff. Sure. It was breaking up. So oh, fucking really? much like the every time that it got dark and it wasn't like there was a problem. It wasn't bad enough that it seemed like there was a problem. Hmm. It just seemed like the quality of the stream just was, wasn't. there. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Uh, did you were you were you watching Game of Thrones? Yeah. Remember when everybody complained about that episode of Game of Thrones because it was too dark? Yep. It was that kind of thing where okay. it's like the TV, the stream and the TV was it was compressed so much that it just couldn't got handle it. Got it. And so, like, you had yeah. those, like, waves of pixels you yeah, could see in the blackness yeah. and stuff. And it was really bumming me out <laughs> because it's a gorgeous movie. Yes. It's so nicely shot. Yes. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, this looks like a fucking YouTube video. <laughs> and it was it was really, really making me sad. Dr. Joseph directed it. Yeah. I might <laughs> I might actually go, I might try to buy this because, like, it, yeah. just, just out of spite. Just out of spite. There's uh, a lot of things you can get done out of spite. Yeah. It's um, very... Very effective motivator. Yeah. Megadeth, I, the entire career of Megadeth based on spite. Fair. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I would put this probably somewhere between 150 and 200. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it's a really wide range. But again, I think my part of my problem is that it's like, I like this movie. I think it's a great movie. I think a lot of people would argue it's not a horror movie, mm-hmm. even though I do. So I could understand if somebody wanted to put it yeah. lower, you know, versus higher. Hmm. Yeah, I would wonder where you draw the line with thriller because I feel well. Yeah. That's a conversation that's for a another conversation. time. <laughs> we've um, gone, we've gone long already. Yeah, I think I think it would stay. I would do the same. I would say probably yeah. one fifty or lower, or yeah. towards two hundred. Yeah, uh, yeah, but great movie. Um, Karen Kusama hasn't made a ton of movies. She did the most recent one she did was uh, she's done a lot of TV since yeah. this. Um, but the last movie she made was called Destroyer. Oh, yeah. With uh, Nicole Kidman. I do want to see this. I, I did want to see that as well. And yeah. now that I know she directed it, I want to see it that much more. So yeah. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's a great director. Uh, Absolutely. They, they managed to do something, I think, really unique in this. And it's it's a... If you are... Looking for like a flashy horror movie, this is not it. Yeah. But if you're in for the kind of slower burn, yes, you know the the ball starts rolling kind of stuff. Yeah. This one is is very good. Yeah, agree. Uh, so yeah, I think that's gonna do it for the invitation. I think I missed it. <laughs> I think I said it once before. I think I you did, it. and I was Damn I was it. hoping you didn't notice. 
um, I hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a little bummed out because uh, oh, no. we're going to be doing number 190, which is Phantasm, which okay. I just, I really don't like this movie. I am not familiar with this one. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm not going to try and I won't say anything else about it. I don't want to color mm. your perception of it. Okay. But this is definitely one that falls into the three strikes rule for me. Oh, wow. I think I've. I think I've only seen it twice, so this will be an interesting Ooh, third. So we're try. we're back in like an American werewolf situation. Yeah, I I I will try to go in with an open mind, <laughs> but I really dislike this movie. Okay, and I know it's a favorite of a lot of people. All right, but uh, I think it sucks. But <laughs> well, I I am excited to experience it and talk to you about it. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you want to support the show, you can do that on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash the Penske file, where, uh, excuse me, dun, dun, dun. <coughs> where Amanda and I have been covering the Friday the 13th series, one movie a month this year, uh, August brought us to part eight, which is Jason Takes Manhattan, which is the end of the classic Paramount series. In September, we will be doing Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, boy. Things start to get weird. (laughs) Uh, So if you want to join us over there, that would be great. Come Uh, join us in hell. Yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Um, Tell your friends. I don't know. I don't know what the best way to tell tell people to like. Tell your friends. Give them an invitation. (laughs) Invite your friends. To listen to this show. Uh, Anyway, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.